0: Fresh every Tuesday. For MSPs around the world. World. Around the world. This This. is Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Hello
1: and welcome back to the show. It's
0: episode 202, and this is what we have for you this
1: week. Hi, I'm Jeff Tunn. I have spent 40 years in information technology and I have become an expert in how to relate to chief information officers. And I advise companies all over the world on how to build stronger, more strategic relationships with their clients through these concepts. And on top of that fascinating interview with Jeff
0: later in the show, I've got a clever idea for you. It's a way that you can build your LinkedIn connections and your email database at the same time. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. I'm pretty sure that the first time I heard the word ghosting, was watching Spider-Man Far From Home a few years ago. You know the bit where right at the beginning of the film that I think it's Nick Fury is ringing Spider-Man and he sort of presses red and uh, basically ignored him. And, and uh, Aunt May said, uh, if you've never seen this film, you'll think it's the most boring sounding film. But Aunt May uh, says, you've, you've ghosted Nick Fury. You can't do that. Some, something like that happened anyway. And I realized, oh, that's, so that's the word for what happens to me on dating apps. So I am single and every now and again, I have a, a three month madness where I go on all the apps, which is by the way, the most depressing experience. If, if you're not single, try not to be single. It's just horrendous. And well dating apps are horrendous anyway anyway this is this concept of ghosting I think we all understand this it's where someone just goes quiet so you're you're in the middle of a conversation or you're in the middle of something and and the other party goes quiet and and it's I guess it's been happening forever it's just these days it has a word and technology makes it so much easier so you're chatting away on your dating app and uh, and you know the next morning you say to someone hey how are you today and they don't reply and it's just horrendous because it just triggers off this whole thing of uncertainty and doubt, and you second-guess yourself, and it's awful. And the thing is, prospects do it too. In fact, I was talking to an MSP just yesterday, and he said three prospects in a row have said yes to him and then ghosted him and we, we delved a little bit into that and because uh, I'd never heard of you know I've heard of the odd one now and again but three in a row in fact I set him a task to go and look for patterns patterns in them or patterns in in his behavior or his business's behavior what's changed what have you done differently because if three things in a row has happened then something somewhere has changed uh, you know people don't just start doing that so that's something he's gone to do but His prospects, they've said yes to him. They've said, yes, we want to go ahead. He's put together the contract and then nothing radio silence. He hasn't heard from them and he hasn't been able to get hold of them uh, to find out what happened. I mean, it would drive you crazy. I I know I joke about doing it in dating terms, but let's get serious. In business terms, that's awful. When someone has said to you, yes, I want to do this, it's like someone saying that they will marry you and then you can't get hold of them to arrange, is it going to be a church or a register office or Vegas, you know? So anyway, there is a way around ghosting because the, the thing about ghosting is it's more about them than it is about you. It's very easy for those of us on the the receiving end of ghosting to take it personally, to think it's something that we have done. But what you've got to remember, and this is not dating advice, this is business advice, marketing advice. What you've got to remember is it's about them and something that's happening in their world or their life. Maybe they've got a big project, maybe they've got an interruption, maybe there's something happening in their personal life or in their business life which is perceptually more important to them than switching MSPs or signing up with a new tech support firm. I know that seems crazy, because to us it's the biggest thing in the world, right? We know that they need to get someone on and get their cybersecurity sorted and get those projects started, but they just don't see it with the urgency that you see it. So you've got to, as with a lot of marketing, you've got to take yourself out of your head and put yourself in their head and in their heart and ask yourself, what do I think has caused this? What is what is causing this complete breakdown of communication? And you need to do this before you become Desperate, and I don't mean that you would ever be desperate, but you can appear to be desperate if you keep sending texts and and keep WhatsApping them, and you keep phoning them. It's this is this this is dating advice now. This is dating and marketing advice. Um, no one wants to be that person where it's a constant one-way stream of communication because that is just des- depressing. So, what do you do if you think someone has ghosted you? Well. There are a couple of communications uh, and and types of communication that seem to cut through more than anything else. For example, writing a letter. So in the digital world that we're in, where everything is digital, physically writing, and I mean handwriting a letter, putting, licking a stamp and putting a stamp on an envelope. Are there any stamps left that you can lick? Certainly here in the UK, they're all self-adhesive. Anyway, writing a handwritten letter and sending that to them in the mail, that cuts through because it requires a modicum of effort. Anything that requires a modicum of effort cuts through. Sending them a box, what we call an impact box, which we've talked about on this podcast, very early days, I think, right back in 2019 or 2020, that cuts through because it's a box that has in some merch, some gifts, some candy, whatever, you know, and then and again, you could put a handwritten letter in that. In fact, the impact box cuts through 10 times more than a handwritten letter, letter does. A letter sits on their desk, an impact box has the staff going, what's this? Uh, you weren't expecting something, do you know what it is? So those kind of methods of communication cut through, but there's also ways of asking questions of them that can really cut through. So for example, there's a, an amazing book, it's called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. He's the former FBI chief hostage negotiator, and he has has an amazing email if you're being ghosted the email subject line is this have you given up on this project so you send them an email or in fact you could put this in a written letter as well have you given up on this project and and the body is very simple um hi dave it's been uh, it's been a few weeks since we spoke about uh, your your technology or moving your technology uh, is this something you still want to do Right. And and that email we've used that email ourselves when we when we want to get through to someone and when we've essentially been ghosted. And, and and that's not just in sales, that could be just in setting things up building partnerships Um, 99 times out of 100 when you do that email and they respond it's nothing to do with you it's to do with them they've had something come up there was a personal crisis there was some somebody left the budget's gone and they're too embarrassed to tell you you know there's a whole number of different reasons but what it does is it, it sort of It's the last attempt shaking them and waking them so that you you get something out of them Um, An MSP I work with uh, called Mitch also recommended another way of putting that. Uh, Thank you for this Mitch Uh, Mitch suggests Where do we go from here? Which is a which is another way of saying the same thing Where do we go from here and that particular phrase works really well for him? So I hope that you don't get ghosted by prospects or dates, but if you do try one of those emails or try some other method of cutting through. You remember, it's never about you, it's always, always about them. Here's this week's Clever Idea. One of the core marketing principles that I teach to MSPs all around the world is to use a very simple three-step marketing strategy. These are the three steps. You build multiple audiences of people to listen to you, then you build a relationship with them, and that's typically done through content marketing, and then you commercialize that relationship. And that commercialization is typically done by someone making outbound phone calls on your behalf. Not cold calling, it's warm calling because they're calling the audiences that you have built a relationship with through content. Now, if we go right up to the top step, that's where it all starts, and that's where you have to do the hard work of building multiple audiences. and you could if you had the time and resources build as many audiences as you could you know for example we have this audience so by listening to my podcast you're in an audience there thank you very much for listening uh, we have a youtube audience we have an audience of people who read our blog on our website which gets a fair amount of traffic we have a facebook group uh, which is just for msps the msp marketing facebook group uh, we have i have about 8000 connections on linkedin and i do a, a linkedin newsletter every thursday so you get the idea we have lots and lots of audiences and there are lots more that you could build for MSPs. Typically, the two audiences you should be building is your um, is your uh, LinkedIn connections and your email database. And I have an idea for you today. Very very simple idea, which will actually build both of those audiences at the same time. It's very simple. Here's what you do. First of all, you set yourself a daily task or better still, you don't do it because as the owner or manager of the business, you've got more important things to do, which is growing the business. So you get a virtual assistant or an admin person to do this for you every day and you make this a daily task so that anything that's daily happens on a regular basis uh, or is more likely to, to keep happening. Every day, you go and you attempt 7 to 10 connections on LinkedIn. So you find between 7 and 10 business owners, business leaders, people that you would like to do business with, and you connection request to them. And that's it. That's that's the LinkedIn part. Now, let's assume you get 2 to 3 new connections a day. So of those 7 to 10, 2 to 3 people accept your connections. You with me so far on this? Here's the clever bit. What you then do is you acquire their email address and you add them to your email database. And we'll talk about the the legals of that in a second, and then we'll, we'll talk about the specifics of how you do it and what you send them. First of all, let's talk about acquiring their email address. There are two ways that you can do this. So you can either just pay and have it done easily, or you can do it in a way which takes a little bit more time but it costs you nothing. And and you could argue it's a more robust way of doing it. So the easy and uh, uh, less cost-effective way of doing it. So the, the easy way that costs money is you go buy a plugin for something like Lusher. L-U-S-H-A. Lusha, and there are alternatives to it, just Google for that. Uh, that What that does is that gives you information on someone, so when you're on their LinkedIn profile, it'll display what information it knows about someone. Now, I haven't used it myself. Actually, my team has, I personally haven't, but I believe, from the MSPs I work with, I believe it costs around about one US dollar per email address. So if you're looking at someone's LinkedIn and you click the show me the email address button, that's going to cost you a dollar or a credit which costs you a dollar, but you, you get the idea. So you're essentially paying a dollar. Now, if you're only doing two or three of these a day and, and you've got that cash you, you know, for speed, that might be a way of doing it. But there is another way to find someone's email address. So let's say you've got uh, a lawyer and his name is Derek Smith. And he works for lawyer. Uh, he works for sueeveryone.com. Sue That's the name of his lawyer's firm. And uh, you can go, uh, go into Google and put this in speech marks. So you're, you're looking for an exact match. And you, what did we say his name? Was it Derek Smith? You, you put in Derek.smith at sueeveryone.com. So, so the, that's his website, sueeveryone.com. So his name is Derek Smith, so you put in Derek.smith at sueeveryone.com so in speech marks and you search for that. And if kind of nothing comes up or you know how Google suggests an alternative search or maybe even shows you results for an alternative search if it's found nothing, that tells you his email address is not Derek.Smith. So then you try dsmith at sueveryone.com then you try Derek S then you try Derek uh, and you know you, you could probably there's probably about five or six different variations of, of someone's email but most people in most businesses they have either first name dot last name or first name last name or just first name or first letter of the first name surname there's, there's a number of variations you can work through and what you typically find is when when you come across the right one suddenly you get a page of results and it might not be lots of results but you'll find that there's the odd web page with their email address on or there'll be some other listing somewhere when you when you when you google an email address in speech marks then it's it's very obvious when you've come across that person's email so some obviously you you're not doing this someone's doing this on your behalf so you do that you've now acquired their email address now that took maybe three minutes to do but you didn't have to spend any cash doing it other than the time of the person who's doing that So we've now got, let's recap where we are. We've got uh, two or three new LinkedIn connections each day. And those people, we're finding their email address and we're adding it into your CRM. The legals of this are technically they have not opted in, however, and I, and I say this: this is not legal advice. This is just Paul advice, uh, which is which is will not work in a court. Uh, often, it's better to seek forgiveness than it is to ask permission. Um, the if you're adding two to three email addresses to your CRM, you're you know you're not going to trigger off uh, many spam filters. The reality is, when you email them the first time, and I'm going to tell you what email to send to them. The vast majority of people are just going to ignore it, or read it and undo it, or maybe unsubscribe. The thing we want to avoid more than anything is someone hitting the spam button but it's it's you know i've done i've worked with lots of msp's doing this and the proportion of people that hit the spam button is is lower than you think so you might hit the spam button a lot but then you're an msp you you don't operate with technology how ordinary people do and they are maybe not as vigilant as you are at whitelisting blacklisting spam reporting and they probably don't report phishing attempts either that's just because they've got other things to do so i think adding two or three addresses a day that you have acquired is fine uh, i know there are anti spam laws and particularly in Canada, there's some very aggressive anti-spam laws. Uh, those anti-spam laws are typically aimed at the big spammers that will email a million people about whatever today's uh, scam is. Um, that's not what you're doing. You have, what's the phrase that we use? Um, just Is it just cause? Uh, I can't remember. There's, there's a specific phrase which came out of GDPR, which is a, uh, a data protection act here in, in the UK and in Europe. Uh, and I can't remember the exact phrase, but it, essentially you, you're, you're emailing them about technology that can help their business right? You're not a spammer and they can unsubscribe because you're using uh, you're using uh, you know, a proper CRM with an unsubscription link. So as I say, not legal advice. the one CRM you don't do this with right now is mailer Lite. So all the other CRMs, absolutely fine behaviour, MailerLite is not. MailerLite, uh, a, a number of months ago, has set its, its um, you-are-a-crook uh, settings very, very high. It's got like a very, very sensitive trigger. So you could send out 100 emails and get one spam complaint, which is not the end of the world, on any other CRM, and MailerLite based on a set of other circumstances, will just shut down your account. So the, the, essentially there's no, there's no mucking about. I think it's because for years, people have been using MailerLite for spammy activity and, and they're fighting back against it. So for now, don't do this in MailerLite, but other CRMs are fine. Now, what email do we send them? The email we send them, the first email we send them is something to acknowledge what we've done so We Don't tell them that we've acquired their email address, but uh, you will say something like this. And so you might set this up as an automated uh, canned email that goes when you first add someone to your list. It says something like this. uh, Hi Dave, uh, we've just connected on LinkedIn. I hope you don't mind that I've added you to my email list. So we acknowledge what you've done. This is what makes this not spammy behaviour. Hi Dave, we've just connected on LinkedIn. I hope you don't mind um, that I've added you to my email list. And then you'd say something like, I'm going to send you occasional emails or better. I'm going to send you one email a week with technology advice that many other Insert industry find of interest so uh, with with technology advice that many other lawyers dentists Chiropractors find of interest the idea being we want this person to open this email see see a word that's relevant to them Which is lawyers CPA accountant, whatever it is they do and kind of go okay and just click back and, and or, or they make a conscious decision to unsubscribe because that's fine, too. We, if they don't want the emails, we want them to unsubscribe. There's nothing worse than emailing people who don't want your emails, right? Why don't more people unsubscribe? They just don't. So we send in that email. Uh, I've added you to, we've connected on LinkedIn. Hope you don't mind if I've added you to my list. Uh, uh, lots of advice. It's of uh, interest to other lawyers. Um, if you don't want to get these emails, there's an unsubscription link below. Um, thanks very much. I hope we get a chance to speak in the future. Yours, Paul. That's it, simple as that. And then you add them to your normal weekly email that goes out. So, for example, if you use a service like our MSP Marketing Edge, we give you every week a weekly email. In fact, we give you um, an entire weekly marketing system where an email is just part of it, all about driving traffic back to fresh blog content and video on your website. But there you have a very, very simple system that you can start using literally today to grow your LinkedIn connections and your email database at exactly the same time Pauls pulls blatant plug I just glossed over that weekly marketing system that we do in the MSP Marketing Edge. Let me tell you what that is, because it's, it's actually something you could replicate yourself. So every week we give our members a brand new syndicated blog. So it's a blog they can put on their website and a video. And we have a, a UK presenter, a lady called Annie. We have a US presenter, a lady called Laura. And then we have an Australian voiced version. So there's no presenter on screen for the Australian version, but uh, what's her name? I can't remember her name. I pay her invoices, but I can't remember her name. Anyway, so we have three different versions of that video. So the idea is that you take the blog and the video and you put that on your website. So you've now got a blog article about something that's of interest to ordinary business owners and managers. And there's a video on the same subject and the two things go on the same page. That's the first step of the weekly marketing system. Next, you send out an email to your email database. And the email is about the blog or the video and you're sending the traffic Back to your site. So that's the second step. The third step is you then schedule a week's worth of social media on LinkedIn and any other platforms you use. And we, we deliver long for- forms of, of um, social media content for LinkedIn and Facebook and short forms for Twitter threads, you know, any short form that you use. Does anyone still use Twitter? Apparently. Um, And that's the third step and one of those social media posts drives traffic back to your blog So you see how this is a system. This is about integrating everything And then the final step is you take that blog and you turn it into a LinkedIn newsletter because LinkedIn newsletters algorithmically are still very very important That weekly marketing system is the crux. I mean, if you, if you were to do that and implement that in your business, we're talking a few hours work and my team literally hold your hand while you're doing it. If you do that, you've got a system, a marketing system that 80% of other MSPs don't have. It's so powerful. And there are so many other things as part of the MSP Marketing Edge. It's not just that weekly marketing system. We have tools, videos, things that can go on your website, guides, press releases, as training. You have direct access to me. There's an unlimited number of things. The thing is, we only work with one MSP per area. So the thing to do first is to see whether or not your area is available. Go to mspmarketingedge.com. You can pick your country and then put in your postal code or your zip code and it will tell you whether or not we're working with one of your competitors or not. It won't name your competitor, but you'll see if your area is free. If your area isn't free, please do join the waiting list. Every now and again, someone gives up their membership and we will be in touch and give you, if you like, first refusal on it before we start marketing to other. MSPs, so you can check that now at MSPMarketingEdge.com.
1: The big, big, big interview. Hi, I'm Jeff Tun. I'm a, a speaker, an author, and I like to say an explorer, an explorer of leadership and especially an explorer of leadership within
0: the MSP space because I know you're going to talk to us today about the voice of the CIO. Thank you very much for joining me on this podcast, Jeff. Let's talk about your career first of all. So, what gives you the the right to come onto this podcast and be an authority on the voice of the CIO? Tell us about your background.
1: Forty years in technology. I guess that that's what gives me the the authority. I started in tech uh, forty years ago as a as a programmer. That's what we called ourselves back then. Now you would call them a developer or maybe even a dev. But I spent most of that career on the practitioner side of the desk, uh, g- growing through the ranks of management, um, working for various companies, various industries but became chief information officer for uh, two separate companies here in, uh, in the U.S. where I'm from. I'm in Indianapolis, Indiana, and was uh, privileged to lead a couple of organizations as their CIO. And then I, I like to joke and say I moved to the dark side. I became a vendor um, and uh, moved to a, a cloud services provider, a managed service provider uh, here in the U.S., uh, as their head of product. And one of the things that I was able to bring to them was that perspective, that that view from the seat of the CIO. What are they thinking about? What are they worried about? How do you approach them? And I was able to provide that guidance. So uh, fast forward towards uh, this stage in my career, I launched my own business about three years ago, uh, doing just that, speaking, writing. Doing leadership development, but always with this idea of changing the face of IT, developing the next generation of IT leader, and helping MSPs understand what's on the mind of the CIO.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, with a with a what I'm about to say, by the way, is a joke. It's not considered to be offensive in any way. But if you've been doing this for 40 years, when you first started, were you sort of feeding ticker tape into into <laughs> machines to program them?
1: Uh, just about. Just about. Uh, we we. Uh, We had uh, uh, our job control language on the mainframe were still punch cards. So, yeah, we were still doing punch cards at that point. Uh, But our software, our programs were actually uh, typed into a 3270 screen for those of you uh, that are old enough to remember those. And, uh, uh, you know, it was uh, pretty slow going. I I can remember joking that... uh, uh, hey, we, we, we programmed in color. We had both amber and green, uh, you know, for our screen. So uh, it was uh, it was quite a thing when uh, when the graphical user interface came about in the, what, 90s.
0: Yeah, no, I, I bet it was. I bet it was. I live um, here in the UK. I live about 10 miles from something called Bletchley Park, which I'm not, I'm not sure if that's something you've heard of. But here in the UK, it's where during World War II, all of the code breaking uh, efforts ah. were. So it was super top secret. Actually, until the 90s, it stayed a secret for 50 years after the end of the war. And it's now home to the most amazing interactive museum that shows you about code breaking. It's also oh. home to the, to the UK's National Museum of Computing, which is fascinating because it has technology from the 60s. 16- up yeah. till pretty much ten years ago, and you see those massive. You talk about mainframes, which even to oh. someone like me, I'm only 48, don't really know what a mainframe is, other than a big computer. And you yeah. you see them working in in these massive rooms, and you realise that you know your 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 mobile phone that you've got in your pocket has you know three million times more computing power than something yes. that's that's taken up this room. It's it's um, a pretty awesome thing, especially an awesome thing to take your kids to see. Anyway, we digress. Let's come back to Chief Information Officer just so everyone listening is absolutely clear what that is, what would you describe as a Chief Information Officer? What's their, what's their role and what do they do and how is that relevant to MSPs?
1: A CIO, Chief Information Officer, is, is the senior leader of technology for an organization. They may not have the title of Chief Information Officer. They might be a, a VP of IT in, in smaller organizations. They might be a Director of IT but they are the top level person that is responsible for managing uh, and directing the strategy on how the organization leverages technology to deliver their goods or services. Uh, And so that person is, uh, they have this complex role of they have to understand technology most certainly, but they also have to understand the business and how the business provides value to its customers so that they can always bring solutions with that technology lens in their mind uh, as they're working with their business peers.
0: And so from an MSP point of view, we're talking about a, a very high level strategic relationship.
1: Yes. Yeah. From an MSP perspective, it's your customer, right? Most of the time, even if you're dealing with uh, a, a vice president or director and you're selling MSP services most of the time because it's really it, you're you're asking your client to outsource some of their services to you the CIO is going to be involved in that decision whether they're right there at the table with you or whether they're behind the scenes making a decision but that decision to, to partner with an MSP. And I don't throw that word around loosely. Partner, uh, really when it comes to MSP, you become an extension of their technology team, uh, no matter what service you're providing. It might be help desk, uh, it might be managed network, it might be managed security, whatever it is, you're becoming a partner to that. And because of that, that CIO is going to want to make sure that you are the right partner to solve the problems that he or she is trying to solve.
0: It's interesting you throw that word partner out there, because it's it's probably one of the most abused words in the channel right now. You know, any any vendor gets a new client, let's say an MSP, and immediately they're a partner. And <laughs> and as you said there, you're not a real partner until you're you're you know you're you're in bed together and you're you're you know you're you're doing you're having every meal together and and everything is the same. Well, I, I, I talk
1: about that a lot, Paul, yeah. about this this concept of partnership. You know, every vendor that walks into a CIO's office says, I want to be your partner. You know, it got me thinking as a CIO, what does that mean, partner? And so I started thinking about, well, if I want my, my part, my vendor partner, my, my MSP to treat me as a partner, I needed to treat them as a partner. And I boiled it down to three words, trust, transparency, and respect. And if our relationship is based on mutual trust, mutual transparency and mutual respect, I feel like we have a partnership and then we can do business together. So here's the interesting question then.
0: Uh, and I, I love the the I love the, the the three letters you've got there. The interesting question is if you assume the average MSP isn't truly partnering with its clients, so its early clients, yes, it may have partnered with just through overservicing, because the the, the new new keen business owner was so keen to, to make a, an impact on their clients. But as they get busier and as they take staff on, that that service level has has normalized and they aren't true partnerships. The, it's, a, it's a service provided. How do you an MSP owner? How do you move from doing a good job to being a a genuine partner, a genuine CIO to your clients?
1: Well, I think uh, one of the first steps is you you have to have senior level people on your staff who can sit down and have a conversation with the CIO, with those senior IT leaders about what are their business challenges. I, I always told uh, my, my vendors, I would know we have a good relationship when you do two things. Uh, thing number one, you tell me when I'm wrong because I don't know everything and I don't need people just saying yes all the time. I need to know when I'm making a mistake. And the other one was to tell me when you can't do something mm. because you're not good at everything. Where are your specialties? Uh, what things are you uh, to 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 use uh, Jim Collins, what are you best in the world at, right? And those are the things I need to know and understand. The rest of it, I'll use a different partner for, and that's okay. We'll be stronger because of it. So I think that's the key is you have to elevate those conversations to find out, you know, what's, what's on the mind of the CIO. Probably it's not uh, your uh, call volume if you're doing help desk services. But more than likely, it's what kind of customer experience are you giving to my end users? And if my customers, my end customers are calling in to that help desk, what experience are you giving them? That's what I'm going to care about more than the number of tickets that you're closing for me.
0: Yeah, so what you're talking about there is is a true partnership, isn't it? It's putting your yourself into the mind and the and the feelings and the mindset of the of the other person, yes. and trying to figure out. Well, trying to figure out by asking them what it is that they they want and they need. So what keeps them awake at night, and you know what will allow them to sleep more soundly. Why Absolutely. why do you think it's so difficult to ask those questions though, and to 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 develop that relationship?
1: Well, first of all, uh, a lot of CIOs. Uh, they're in that they're in that position, and they don't always trust their vendor. And I go back to the to the the words that I used at the beginning there: the, the trust, transparency, and respect. Um, we 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 start these relationships very cautiously, and and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna show you behind the scenes because, gosh, Paul, I just know you just want to sell me some more stuff, <laughs> right? So that's going to be my approach. Um, and so we're kind of walking this, or dancing this tenuous dance, right, with each other. And what I found as CIO was it took me opening up about my business and my department before I really got that uh, mutual communication going with my vendors. And um, what what I would do is I'd do an annual uh, summit, an annual planning summit, where I take my team offsite. And I started inviting my vendor partners, the partners, not everybody. Uh, if you sold me paperclips, you probably weren't gonna be there. But if you were a true partner with me, uh, you would be at this summit and you would see my budgets. You would see my business plans. You would see my strategy. what What we've been successful at and what we haven't been successful at. And yeah, that opened me up to, hey, Jeff, I can help you solve that problem. And many, many times they could because I took the time to open up. So I think it's a two way street, which is not always what you wanna hear uh, when you're on the MSP side of the desk. It's like, how do I break down that barrier? And, and I really think it begins with having conversations about what are the struggles. Know your CIO, know your clients, and this this takes a lot of time. Uh, but if they're if they're posting on social media, what are they posting about? What's on their mind? Are they posting about generative AI? It seems like everybody is these days. Uh, What can you do to help them understand how to use generative AI? That may not even be anything that your company does, but it's something that's on the mind of the CIO. And if you can help them solve a problem, you're going to become a trusted advisor. Yeah,
0: even if that problem is that, let's say, their board or people above them are, are hitting the drum of, we've got to be using AI and they yes, don't actually, yes, they yes. can't see an application for it. But it, it becomes a discussion between the two of you. Well, well yeah. hey, did you know you are already using AI because it's built into Teams and it's built into yes. this? And yes. yeah, let's, let's find a way to communicate that back to your, to your board and to explore other things. Yeah, I like that. I like that approach. Jeff, let's talk about um, things that you do to help MSPs. Now, I heard a rumor that you too have a podcast. Is this true? <laughs> (laughs)
1: I do. I do. I host a podcast called Status Go. Uh, It's actually uh, published by an MSP here in the United States, Intervision Systems. Uh, Intervision Systems was when I went to uh, the vendor side of the desk, I joined a company called Blue Lock, uh, which eventually was acquired by Intervision Systems. So they were my previous employer, and now they are one of my clients. And I host a podcast for them. It's a weekly podcast targeted at the technology professional who wants to break out of the status quo. I would say we lean mostly to the practitioner side of the desk, but I know from, uh, from the listeners that I talk to that we also have a lot of MSPs that listen to us as well uh, to really unpack what's in the mind of the CIO or the technology professional.
0: And for those people who perhaps don't listen to podcasts, he says on a podcast, which is a bizarre thing to say. <laughs> is there anybody uh, you, that doesn't? <laughs> apparently there are. Here in, the, here in the UK, you know, podcast listening isn't, isn't anywhere near as high as it is in the US. You know, we have to this podcast, we have way more listeners in the US than we do in the UK. I don't know if that's a cultural thing or people in the UK just don't like my voice. Who knows? <laughs> who knows? It's a weird thing. Uh, but you, you have a book as well. Tell us about your book.
1: Yes, so I have a a couple of books. Uh, The first one is Amplify Your Value, Leading IT with Strategic Vision. And it talks about as a CIO, how do you lead your organization strategically? Uh, We have a lot of CIOs who can lead tactically. Um, I think leading strategically is incredibly important. For those that are MSPs out there, and I know your, your audience is predominantly MSPs, Paul, that think about it as amplify their value. You could read the book and understand how you could help them amplify your their value. I've done some keynote uh, presentations to MSPs using that spin on it. the The other book that I've written is called Amplify Your Job Search. I wrote this really at the beginning of the pandemic when so many people were losing their jobs. And it's a combination of strategies that I have learned throughout my career and strategies that I have coached other people to use to find their dream job, to find their next job. Uh, and uh, both of those are available uh, through our friends at amazon.com uh, and, uh, uh, and also there in Europe as well.
0: Fantastic, and for those people who just wanna get
1: in touch with you and just say hi, perhaps pick your brains, what's the best way to contact you? Uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a fabulous way. I am on there constantly throughout the day. It's always a tab that's open. Uh, so you can reach me on LinkedIn or my website is www.jeffreystun.com. Uh Pretty straightforward. It's my name. Uh, would love to hear from you. Paul
0: Green's MSP
1: Marketing Podcast.
0: This week's recommended book, book. Hi, I'm Scott Bywater. I'm an email copywriter, and the book I recommend is the Robert Collier Letterbook. Now, this was written decades ago. I mean, my book is all uh, all tattered, <laughs> but uh, the reason I recommend it is it gives real examples of letters which work, which you can send out either, you know, either you can use as as your email copy. And you can also send out, yeah, in any format, you can send out a sales letters to your existing clients, you get new clients, all of that sort of thing. And it's just a treasure trove of, um, of letters, which have been proven to work. And as the old saying is, everything old is new again. So we're taking, if you want to,
1: if you want a new idea, something I learned from Perry Marshall, if you want a new idea, read an old book. Coming up, Coming up next week.
0: Hey, I'm Steve Spiegel, founder and CEO of Kruhu. Everyone wants to grow their MSP, and to do that, you need to keep your clients happy. But newsflash, keeping your clients happy is really hard if you aren't keeping your employees happy. And I'm gonna tell you how you're gonna make sure that you have the happiest staff. Right now, whichever platform you're listening to or watching this podcast on, please do subscribe. If there's a notification bell, click that as well and then you'll never miss an episode. Because next week, we're returning back to LinkedIn again. And in fact, I've got three specific content ideas for you. Three things that you can try on LinkedIn to get more engagement from your existing connections. Join me next Tuesday and have a very profitable week in your MSP. Made in the UK. For MSPs around the world. Paul Green's
1: MSP Marketing Podcast.